Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. I'm excited to have uh, Rami on today. He's another uh, GoBundance guy. I'm excited to kind of get to know you on a different level. You've been my coach in the past, and now we uh, we get to talk on a much different level than, uh, hey, Adam, why are you still fat? Okay, cool. So um, live in Atlanta now, been here about 30 years. I grew up in uh, upstate New York. I uh, moved out when I was about 25. When I finished graduate school, I moved down to Florida. Um, and then moved to Georgia about 30 years ago and uh, got married in, in 2000. How many years have been married? It's 23. Um, and I have a boy, an older boy, who's about to turn 22. I have a daughter who's 18. So a boy and a girl. And she's just starting college um, next week. So business-wise, I've been in the fitness industry, as you know, for 31 years. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically, started, you know, 92 when I, when I moved to Florida. And um I was in corporate America for all of 3.5 years. I'm an entrepreneur at heart, always have been, you know, had my little businesses when I was a kid in 94. So I've been in the fitness industry. Um, I was a trainer for about six years, got sick of working for other people, entrepreneurial, started my own business, uh, started my own gym in 1999, knew absolutely nothing. First of all, one of the best things, you know, one of the strongest things in my church is community and Mm -hmm. not community that you get going for a group run. Like that's community yeah. too, but there's something so much deeper when you have a shared yeah. faith and yeah. how these people, and I could tell a really quick story. Um, when in 2012, which was probably the bottom, like that's when our house was in foreclosure. Um, mm-hmm. We were out, you know, the business was just doing terrible marriages. And I joined something in my church called Christ Renews His Parish. And it's a, it's, it actually comes from a Protestant church. I forget what it was called before we, you know, they transferred over. Um, but it's a weekend that you spend with 36 men, and the women do it too, 36 women. So it's just men, mm-hmm. just women. You're, you're in there for two days straight. You never leave. No phones, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's intense. There's witness talks. There's, for us, you know, there's confession. There's, there's mass, all that. Um, and then you stay together for a year every Monday night after that. And talk about bonding with a group of men. Yeah. Well, I, about halfway through it, I was struggling so badly, I dropped out of it. I was like, I'm done. I can't go anymore. I can't tell the story anymore. It's too depressing, you know? Um, all 36 guys showed up at my house unannounced <laughs> and prayed over me. And li- they just showed up. I'm like, what the heck? My wife knew they were coming. Yeah. And they prayed over me and they said, you know, we're here for you. And then they just left. And that's in my book. Like, it brings me to tears that they just had a meeting and they're like, hey, Rami's struggling. You know, he just quit. Mm-hmm. We need to go over there. They didn't come over and like, yell at me or, you know, you need to do this. They just showed that support. And guess what? I rejoined, finished it. And it was monumental. And I ended up becoming a witness for the next group. So I ended up telling my story and helping other men, which was super powerful. It's a different level when you're, when you're sharing those types of relationships. Yeah. And I never knew it. Yeah. So you got married in 2000. So for, for eight years, you were not Catholic. She was, was she going to mass every Sunday and all that too? Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
She was, and very, was kind and, of like eh. I went. Yeah, I went. You know, I would go twice a month and had no idea okay. what was going on and didn't feel mm-hmm. like I fit. You know, like here we go again. I'm in an yeah. environment where I'm kind of weird. You know, I don't know the rituals yep. and all that. And um, but again, she never pushed me. She she brought the kids. Um, she kept them. You know, in in the faith that whole time. So she really held it. And uh, looking back on it, it's pretty amazing. You know, it's hard it's hard to yeah. do that on your own. I wasn't non-supportive. I wasn't against it. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I would go sometimes. And then we started. You know, even when we were going to like North Point Church, Annie Stanley's church, she was still mm-hmm. going to mass as well. So, okay, wow. yeah, she was keeping that alive the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So she grew up Catholic, though you said, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, her, yeah. her mom oh, yeah, was very Catholic, devoted. Right. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah so okay. her mom was very involved in the church. Probably one of the most spiritual. She was one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. She passed away fairly early from cancer, but she. Um, yeah. Just an incredible woman. Incredible. Her faith was beyond strong. Like, like when she was riddled with tumors and inner bones, and can imagine how painful that is. And Mm -hmm. they had to carry her down the stairs because we had her living here with us. And the pain, I can't even imagine. And she was thanking Jesus. She's like, Thank you for this pain. I know you're teaching me something. And I was like, I just. I was like, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> like you know, at that level <laughs> yeah. of of faith, but but it was yeah. it was most people are you know like it's, no. it's that's a that's a um you have to have gone on a long walk to get to that point you know no it's no uh, that does not just happen overnight. Um, yeah. Similarly, like when you're going through hardships with your with your family with your with anybody, like there's you're it's not you know uh, the ridiculous saying Rome wasn't built in a day. It's super true. None of our like our relationships with our wife is not built in a day. Our relationship no. with our kids is not built in a day. Um, but it also means that it's not ruined in a day either. So you know um, when you when you were uh, working on the transition or ah, what route do I want to go with this first? Um, when you started when you started having kids, which was right when you got married, right a right year away. after you got married, yeah. Um, uh, what kind of conversations did you have about your past already between like your wife's past and your past that you said, this is like, well, did you guys come up with plans? This is how we want to raise our kids. This is the direction we want to go. Or, or was it just like a, let's figure it out as we move along. Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest things we were clear on is that both of our parents were sort of workaholics. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was a latchkey kid. Right. And I, it was bad. Right. Like too much alone time was not good for me as a kid, too much idle time. And um, so we both agreed even before we had kids that, and she always wanted to be a stay at home mom. So I said, well, I'll, I'm all in on that. And so yeah. at least till the kids are both like in kindergarten or, you know, like full-time school. Right. Yeah. And then maybe go back to work part-time or whatever. So that was a big decision on our part that we really, really are happy with. Um, kids never spent one day in daycare. They spent every day with her, you know, and nice. I ran my own business. And even when it was bad, I remember going to lunch with somebody like in 2010, he owned a karate studio and we were just all getting our asses kicked like still, you mm-hmm. know. And I said, Well, the beauty is it's two o'clock on a Thursday, and neither of us had to ask our boss if we had to meet for lunch <laughs> today. You know, like there's still some benefit yeah. in this. And and that that I was able to pick up the kids up at school almost all the time and spend time with them when they got out of school. And so that was good too. You know, they spent the whole day with her. So yeah. but religious wise, you know, I wasn't there yet, right? In two thousands. So and, and again, I was I was definitely searching. Like I probably went to seven different churches. Mm-hmm. So and I, I was looking all over the place. I think I actually went to a Buddhist temple at one point. Like I was yeah. all over the place, you know. And um, 
And I think she appreciated that. And and again, she's way more patient than me. Like, mm-hmm. she's, like I have zero patience. It's definitely something I read in the Bible all the time, you know, like something I have to work on. And yes, um, But never pray for it because you don't want to be tested on that. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, as, read about I, it, do the self-work. Don't let, don't let God yeah, try to yeah, put me through get, it, is it? Yeah, yeah, don't bring God in on that one because he will test you, you know. <laughs> We're doing a, one of our businesses now. And I'm like, boy, is he testing us. And, and so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so major props to her, like looking back on it, like just letting me come to it on my own and what a cool way I came to it. Like my son brought me in, you know, like oh, really? asking questions, right. That he asked those yeah. questions oh, yeah. that, yep. that I couldn't answer. Yep. And I was like, you know what, let me look into our CIA. Right. And from then on, I had a great group We had, we had 12 people. It's kind of interesting. We had our 12 disciples, you know, and, um, and we all made it, which was great. And, uh, it was, it was a great, great experience. It really That's was. Awesome. And it's, you know, nine months to, to get there is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. So that's really cool. So. Today we have Dan Reed on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to uh, learning a little bit more about him. We spent um, a, a lot of time together for a, a short period of time in OTS. We were both prior enlisted folks and went into officer training and then did that for a while and became good friends there. And here we are years and years later. Uh, doing a podcast together. When I first came in the military back in 1999, uh, I came in and listed as a TACP. I uh, did that for about 13 years. Made it up to Master Sergeant. And um, throughout that time, um, my wife and I had four kids and uh, several dogs along the way. During that time, I finished my bachelor's degree, my associate's degree, and started my master's degree all before I went to OPS. As far as business goes, uh, I never actually started a business until we, we moved to Ohio. And mm-hmm. this was probably my sixth or seventh home that we had renovated. Um, it's something that I really enjoyed. I loved to get into plumbing, electrical construction, etc. I built all the going away gifts for all of our military units. Carpentry is kind of one of my passions. And so that's what inevitably led to me starting Reed Custom Woodworks back uh, about three or four years ago. All right. Fantastic. I'd love to hear kind of how you um, uh, have tried to instill that into your kids because there's, there's only like, there's only so, we could force our kids by the, you know, force being not the way we want it to be, force our kids to go to church for a while, you know. Uh, but how do you, how do you instill that into the kids, like their, the, the faith and, you know, leading for leading your family as Christ leads the church type of thing. You know, how do you, um, uh, how are you implementing that or, or, you know, how do you feel like you're doing in that, in that realm? Yeah. So that's, that's a really good question. I think it's super important on how you, how you raise your family. Um, one of our main focuses when we started homeschooling our kids is we wanted them to have a Christian education. Mm-hmm. Aside from the Christian education, uh, we were, we were not happy with the safety uh, of our of our kids in, in schools. So I'm not talking like you know the gunfire or, or you know shootings in schools. What I'm talking about is bullying or kids that are have a a very negative influence on our children. Because let's be honest, kids are not very smart as they grow up, and they just aren't. And without positive adult interaction with them, they will always continue to be um, not super intelligent. That's just the way life is. You have to have teachers. You have to have good role models. You have to have mentors in life in order to direct you in the right way. But in schools, what you mostly have is one teacher who is very much struggling to try and keep an entire class focused on doing either literature or math or English or whatever the case is. 
but the, the, the entire rest of the time, you've got 30 other negative influences on your child. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. And if you have some, let's be honest, most of those children do not have great parents anymore. Yeah. They just don't. I would say you're lucky if a quarter of them have great parents. And so all the other ones are now even worse of an influence on your child. So we had CPS come to my house in Florida three separate occasions because of uh, some of the communication and actions that other children had did to mine. And they wanted to make sure that my child was not uh, severely traumatized or they wanted any questions or they wanted to get more of an investigation on what occurred. And you can tell that it's a direct influence of what happened in their child, in their childhood home. And we wanted to minimize that. And so uh, faith uh, based education was our, our, our primary focus. You're not going to get that in the public school. And if you are a staff sergeant with four children, you cannot mm-hmm. afford to send them to private Christian yeah. schools. You just can't. And so we, we my wife um, started teaching them, and we've had a, Christ, a Christian curriculum uh, for the last 12 years. And um, it's been a huge impact on, on the way that they perceive the rest of their, their uh, lessons. But not only that, we've been in church uh, ever since they were born. Uh, I was in church every day when I was, or every Sunday when I was uh, growing up. Um, it was something that is very important to me and my wife. Um, although I had not been, I'm going to be honest, um, after I left to go in the military, uh, probably the first seven years of my career in the military, probably you wouldn't recognize that I was Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way it is sometimes when you're a single male living in a foreign country and you're always playing and going to war. Um, you you generally aren't modeling uh, Christian behavior. And it wasn't until I moved to San Antonio and I was um, an instructor out there that um, I was having theological discussions with an atheist. And the atheist knew the Bible better than I did. Mm-hmm. And I felt ashamed of that. And I said, look, if I'm going to be a Christian, and I'm going to follow in Jesus' footsteps. I've got to know more about what I'm calling this my faith. I was planning on doing a master's of uh, a master's in finance, uh, but I felt God was leading me towards theology, so I did a master's in theology and finished that about six years ago. And it was because of the conversation I had with an atheist, forcing me to 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 be open about my own knowledge of my own faith, uh, realizing that. Uh, I was not a good Christian, and so I needed to learn more, and God forced me to go into a seminary. And in seminary, I, I learned. I took a lot of apologetics. I took a lot of um, uh, deep theological discussion or courses like systematic theology, um, church and history, historical backgrounds. I mean, you name it. Um, very in-depth. And um, since then, I've been, I think, more equipped. Uh, to have these discussions with my kids. And so we have, I mean, every week we'll have some sort of theological discussion that we mm-hmm. discuss as a family. And um, it's okay if they disagree with me. It's okay if I disagree with them. Uh, as long as the principle of our discussion is based on um, love uh, for God and salvation. If you and I have a difference of opinion on a salvation-based topic, We've got an issue, and we're going to discuss it even more. But um, one of the biggest discussions that we've had as a family recently is about predestination. Mm. Now, if you uh, believe in predestination, and I do not, guess what? It's okay. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to be upset about it. We don't. Uh, that is not a salvation-based issue. 
and we have those kind of discussions off and um yeah throughout their lives uh they've been involved in all the youth groups uh they've been involved in lots of different home school co-ops where they're all christian based um I, it, it's, it's hard for me to say that they haven't been forced into christianity um because they have yeah let's be honest i mean we raised them that way because we believe that christianity is the right religion otherwise we would have been some other religion yep um but we've also let them to make up their own theological minds. So um, I did not force any of them. In fact, I held my kids off on getting baptized until I felt like they really understood and um, believed why they were getting baptized. And then I baptized them in the church. Um, yeah, so they have their own theological perspectives. And they can hold their own in debate. And they can uh, debate and apologize for uh, on their topics all day long, and it's, it's pretty impressive to actually watch. That's awesome. Yeah, I when we when we first met, um, I had actually signed up for my master's in theology, um, and then I got picked up to go be a pilot in the Air Force. And I was like, well, I don't know when I'm leaving. I can't obviously do that while I'm in OTS. I can't, you know, do classes. So I put a pause on it, and I've been debating whether or not I should go back to it um, for a long time. It's just been one of those, you know constantly going on here because i thought the same thing like i, I want to be able to um defend my faith more than i was physically capable of doing previously you know um and did not want to be a uh you know as the bible talks about lukewarm christian you know like i didn't like <laughs> i don't want to be spat out right i want to i want to know where i'm going and what i'm doing um so uh, so no i appreciate that and i mean it it's it, I've been trying to do it. I mean, granted, my kids are eight, four, and three months, right? So uh, the conversations are very different now. Um, I'm not necessarily having, you know, deep theological conversations the way I, I would like to do with, you know, um, uh, my friends. And, you know, I, like, I'd love to get on, on calls with you even just, just to talk about those things. Because I've got another friend of mine that I love getting on calls with talking about that stuff just because it's a, it's a good to challenge my brain and where I'm thinking and how I'm thinking. And, you know, um, there's uh, funny enough, that predestination conversation, you know, reform versus, you know, uh, uh, versus non-reform, you know, the Calvinist type thing uh, with one of my buddies, who's uh, very much in the reform side of the house that it's predestination. And I'm very much not. I'm like, no, I don't read, I don't read it that way. And I don't, I don't agree with you. And uh, it's it's perfectly okay. You know, which is funny to me because to take it off a little bit. Right. So if you're the person who, does believe in in only predestination then it is a salvation issue right because if if you're not predestined then guess what you're not going so that is your salvation whether you're predestined or not uh yes kind of right (laughs) uh so this is the problem that i have with predestination uh number one how do you know that you are predestined yeah is it because you believe in god and that you that you've been saved so automatically you you have to have been one of the ones that were predestined. Uh, that's either a great coincidence or it's just not the not reality. Mm-hmm. And um, I even have uh, some evangelists and you know pastors and doctoral uh, pastors who are they have they all have differing opinions. And some of the greatest theological mm-hmm. minds in the world in the history have differing opinions. You and I are not going to rectify this situation if people who have three doctorate degrees still disagree. Um, And that's why 
it's it's one of those things where it's fun to have a discussion, and a lot of people they kind of get they they can get a little butter. Oh yeah, uh, you don't agree with them, and you tell them that they're wrong. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you can read the Bible, and the Bible will tell you uh, either one uh, is correct. And it's because on how you interpret what it is. And Ephesians 1.4 is the number one verse that, that uh, people really get hung up on, where it talks about how those who are predestined into sonship uh, are those who have been uh, loved by Christ. And it really what it's talking about is, in my opinion, and there's a lot of people out there that have different opinions, that once you have been saved and once you are under the wing of God and that you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are predestined to, to enter into his family as a son mm-hmm. or a daughter. Um, everybody who has been saved is predestined into the, his family because you're not, just, uh, you're not just saved and you're like, all right, cool, I'm a Christian. You're actually adopted into his family as a son. And that's in my opinion, what the predestination is mostly discussing. In the book of John alone, 99 times it talks about how uh, people, um, if you love God and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, then you can come and, and, and be adopted into his son, just in John alone. So, yeah, you can, you can discuss that uh, all day long. And, um, but ultimately, uh, you and I can disagree and we can, then we can figure it out in heaven together. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, you know, I usually talk about there. It's an open-handed issue or a closed-hand issue, right? The salvation things are closed-hand issues. Like if you disagree on those, we're, yeah. we're, we're not exactly, you know, brothers in Christ. If you disagree on an open-handed issue, it's okay. Let's have the conversation, right? Yeah. So. And there's, you know, I've got a lot of friends that uh, um, are in different religions to believe that they are also going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, so I, I really try to get into those deep theological discussions with them to try to at least show them, you know, where I believe that they, they are wrong. Yeah. Inevitably, um, I have faith that I'm right. And that's really what this is all about, right, is, is my faith in Christ. And if you have a different faith, um, then we could have a problem there. And I, I want you to at least see my perspective and see the data so that you can make your own informed decision. Yeah. I'm not yourself i'm not your your savior i cannot uh make you go to heaven i mean that's i mean that's only god's job so you got to open up your own eyes to do that and um i mean some other ways that we try to influence our kids uh as far as you know at least getting them the education to make their own decision uh, as they've been going to bible study fellowship for the last 15 years Mm -hmm. um so if you know what bible study fellowship is it's a worldwide organization where they um, they come together and they teach all of these different lessons and they're very, very biblical based. Uh, they have a men's group and they have a women's group and each one of those has a place to your children. And so my wife and I had been going to those for many years. And uh, unless I was working night because they happened to be a night. But uh, um, our kids would be involved in those groups as well. And so even in homeschooling, uh, we would have them do their BSF studies as part of their curriculum. Um, and that was, I think, was a huge factor in at least them getting a. You can believe it or not, but at least you're getting a biblical education. Mm-hmm. Make up your own mind later on. That's fine, but I'm going to teach you what it says. And then we also, I also lead, like I said, a Bible study uh, men's group on Mondays because I believe that one of the biggest problems in men today is that they don't, they aren't good leaders in their homes. They don't. They either one, they don't have the knowledge uh, of the Bible. They aren't equipped to teach. 
um, they are they don't have the motivation or they don't have the education to understand what is actually happening around them. And so we have we created this group and we started off with like two dudes three years ago, and now we're up to fourteen, and nice. we're probably going to have to split. And then each one of those guys are going to have to go off and start off their own our own group, and that's the whole point. Um, we're there to disciple, we're there to teach you, we're there to equip you, um, and you hopefully you will go off on your own and create your own group, and then we can help each other in that respect as well. That we've got to spread it, we got to we got to make men equipped, and we got to make men men again. Yeah, and uh, I believe it starts in the faith primarily. Yeah. I agree. That's one. That's one thing I've been talking about with my church about. Uh, um again tired of seeing 40 year old boys running around and especially in the church like it's not a you know like (laughs) we should not be modeling our behavior in the church off of the world um uh (laughs) but for some reason that is uh where we've our 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 men have modeled themselves as opposed to looking into you know the men of the bible um you know uh look at david alone right i mean granted he made some major mistakes in his life but man was he a warrior he was uh, a leader he was um a lot of things uh and and you know it just is a we need to model our behavior in a better way than the world has has shown us so um i appreciate what you're doing there of course you can look back at, at biblical figures and even the greatest of them uh were not good enough in God's yeah. eyes. For example, Moses wasn't allowed into the promised yeah. land. David wasn't allowed to build a temple for Christ mm-hmm. for God. But none of these, none of the, all of these guys failed. And ultimately, uh, all the kings of Israel inevitably failed because um, they all wanted a human to, to lead them when yeah. all they really needed was God and they didn't see that. Yeah. And so, yeah, our, our group, our men's group is not church-affiliated. We, we probably have five different church groups that all attend with us and I think that actually gives us a bit more flexibility to reach more people in that For sure. So it's awesome, and I love it. And um, we're gonna right now we're going through the entire Bible in a year, and uh, it's chronologically, which is a pretty interesting study. Oh, I bet. To do that. And uh, it's a great time. That's awesome. Yeah, I. Uh, um, it's funny. My my au pair actually recently said that she wants us to do Bible studies as a family and be included in that. And you know, it was kind of a, a punch in the gut for me. Like, well, yeah, you should be doing that. You, you dang knucklehead, right? So, <laughs> when your au pair has to come up and tell you that you should be something that you're doing, um, you know, because I feed myself, but it doesn't mean that I'm feeding my family the way I should in that in that realm. So, but, yeah, yeah. But man, this was a fantastic conversation. I am uh, truly excited about our guest today, John Ballinger. Um, I think he is going to provide some massive insight and excitement. John, if you can, please introduce yourself. Tell us about your family and then uh, a little bit about your business. So, um, Adam, I'm a 20-year retired Marine, uh, helicopter pilot by trade. Just retired in October and uh, relocated with my family um, to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And... Got a wonderful wife of 15 years, and our story is is truly phenomenal. How God inter interwove our our interactions to end up as a married couple. But we have two boys, 11 and seven. Uh, my oldest is Lincoln, youngest is Hudson. We had a, a daughter in between, um, but she is uh, she she passed away right after birth. Well, three months after birth. So we're we're a happy family of four and. Man, loving this next chapter, you know, 
trying new things, trying to expand my horizons. I purposely avoided going back into av aviation and purposely avoided going into military contracting because mm -hmm. those seem like somewhat safe uh, bets that I wanted to try to to grow from. So two or three things that I'm actually doing. One, I started with two other partners, a, a real estate development company and that's based out of Oklahoma. And we're focused on just taking properties and, and really <clears throat> adding value to those and, and expanding the capacity and the capabilities of those properties. And um, also doing some coaching, some executive coaching, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching for individuals who are just seem to be stuck in a place that they they need a little assistance getting out of a little bit of accountability. So I do that um, for individuals and for I come in and speak to corporations um, just on anything and everything that that they may need help with. So really excited to put my hand to different things, but it is also trying at times as well. So that's what I'm currently doing. I talk to a lot of people, a lot of dads, new dads that say, I can never go through what you went through. Um, and I, I like to challenge that because God has made us very resilient. God has made us um, to, to want to have faith. And so our daughter was born on Christmas Day and a couple of weeks early, but not, not, too, not too much and no um, expected complications. She was our second child. So, you know, we, of course, did all the screenings and all the tests and thought everything was, was going to be, you know, work out perfectly. Um, so, born Christmas Day, we, we showed up at the hospital. We were stationed on Hawaii at the time, uh, on Oahu. And immediately after she was born and I was able to cut the umbilical cord, the nurses um, rushed her out of the room. Uh, lack of pulse and, and, and very uh, shallow, if she was breathing at all, it was very shallow. And they put her in an incubator and, and started working on her. Well, there's only one NICU, uh, neonatal intensive care unit on Oahu, and that's in Honolulu. So they had to rush her from the east side of the island where we were in Kailua over to, to Kapiolani Hospital. And there she, um, she was for 86 days, and they ran a full battery of tests. Every day was something new. Every day was something different a new strategy, a new thing, a new discovery. Some days were high, some days were low. Um, and it, it was interesting because we at no time knew really what was going on. Found out probably month two that there were only two cases in the world that were documented similar to hers. And in those two cases, both child died within four months. So that gave us you know, something to work off of. And ironically, when we were told that, our faith only increased. Um, unfortunately, our lungs, heart, and kidney all started failing um, at different points in her stay at the hospital. And um, yeah, at, at 80, on the 86th day, we had to say goodbye. Um, and it was, it was really interesting uh, because... The whole time she was at the hospital, my wife and I's faith continued to grow. It continued to, man, we just got bold. I mean, I, I told doctors that I was going to walk out of the hospital with my daughter. Um, I told the Marines that I was working with. I was the maintenance officer uh, at the helicopter squadron at the time. I told 
you know, 150 of them that I was going to walk my daughter back into the squadron one day and they were going to get to meet her. Um, so just bold, bold words, bold actions. And um, when she passed away, um, it had some pretty devastating effects. Uh, my wife obviously took it the hardest and she really had to dig deep and figure out what she truly believed and and we were both were have been believers we've both been raised in the church our whole lives and um it was really hard and she had a really hard time going back to faith and going back into church and being in those circles but i just told her you know one two things one i said we lost our daughter i'm not going to lose you mm-hmm. and the second thing was you know that if we have to go back to the basics and we have to start all over, let's just focus on one thing. I love you. God loves us and we're together. So let's, let's start with, you know, just working on that. And, you know, it's been eight years now and I will say that she has made a drastic, drastic uh, return back to her former self. And she's still on fire and, and still, uh, believes in healing and faith and you know it didn't happen to us um, but that's okay and that's that gives us a story to tell to mm-hmm. to do this right to s- sit in front of each other and talk about how the struggle is real and how faith doesn't always pan out into the perfect scenario but we still believe and we still keep going on and so um yeah so we we took a you know a pause and just kind of tried to reconstruct our family and our faith and who we were <clears throat> and uh then we were blessed with a third child hudson who came uh, a year and a half after after brooklyn so now like i said we're family of four and we're incredibly happy and, and incredibly excited to see our daughter uh in heaven one yeah that's i mean i, I- it like of course hits me i think a little stronger since i have a little five month old little girl hanging out over yeah. there you know and it just i could not imagine um and it's one of those things that that through you never know you know how you're going to react until something like that happens um yeah and uh i'd love like obviously faith had a huge impact for you in, in being able to work through that um yeah uh and you know those those types of trials and those types of tests either you know uh, if if we stay with it, our faith ends up being way stronger at the end of it yes. than it was at the beginning. Um, yes. And it it, it uh, uh, I'm speaking as if I've I've ever lost a child, and I, I couldn't, and that's not the intent, but more just trials and tribulations as as life yeah, as sure. life throws at us, right? And it's um, uh, let, let me ask about your wife going through that, right? And and yeah, you, how yeah. how were you best able to support your wife? through that especially like now she's she's not only obviously heartbroken about about losing her daughter um but now obviously we're probably angry at god and and yeah. and what like for even allowing that type of thing to happen because it's, it's one thing for us to have conversations um that, that we just throw out in the ether as far as like you know how does how does god let tragedy happen uh, but yeah. it's another thing to look at and say okay yeah but that tragedy is now right here like it's not yeah it's sure. not this this tragedy out there but so, so can you how did, how did you best support your wife through that? Or, or maybe how did you fail to support your wife through that, that you would love to, that, that, to do over if you could? Yeah. Um, it was a time of a lot of learning. Um, mm-hmm. One learning about communication, 
learning about the grieving process, learning about support. You know, when um, there's an 83% chance families will separate when there's a death of a child. And we, somebody, one of the doctors told us that before we even left the hospital, before our daughter was even, um, had had even, way to put that in my brain. Thanks. Thanks, Doc. Yeah. But so that tells me two things. One, there's a really small chance you can stay together, but there's a chance, mm-hmm. right? The odds are are against you, but man, if you are one of those people that say, you know what, I like those odds because somebody's making it, let's figure mm-hmm. out what they're doing. So I had to learn a couple things. Um, one was communication. You know, we obviously, men and women communicate vastly different. And we had to quickly figure out, I had to quickly figure out that sometimes not saying anything, not having the answer, not being able to fix the problem, Mm -hmm. as most guys want to do, is okay in this scenario. Some of the best remembrances I have of us grieving together is me just arm around my wife weeping together because there's no words that you can say. And and for guys, it's kind of weird that we think, well, I got to say something. I want to, I want to provide something, you know, very philosophical that can fix this problem, but it can't. So sometimes just sitting in silence does the trick. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we had to really work through is the grieving process. And, and I like, you know, I, I tell people, my wife and I both got to experience our daughter for 86 days on earth. But for my wife, she had her in her belly for nine months. Mm-hmm. That is a much longer relationship, a much harder thing to grieve. And, and we even, my wife and I talk about losing, you know, a child that's 22 years old or, or, you know, 30 years old. It's the longer you spend with them, obviously, the more attached you become. But my wife was very, very grieved where I had 86 days. Those all 86 days were spent in the hospital. Um, in a very isolated environment and and very sterile. But the way I would grieve is I would take my surfboard or my stand-up paddleboard out far out in the in the water. And out there I would get angry. I would shed tears. I would beat the water and yell at God and try to figure out why this happened. And I would come home and I would be okay. My wife would be home with our our two-year-old son grieving i obviously would i would be over it for the day and she would be in the thick of it mm-hmm. so she couldn't see me grieving and so for a while it was a very hard thing to communicate because she never saw me grieve so she thought i was okay with it or i was over it and i had moved on where in reality we were just grieving two different ways and so when it was a it was a struggle to communicate that until I realized she just wanted to hear that I was having a tough day, or I thought about Brooklyn, or something reminded me of her, or I saw a girl, you know, a, a five year old girl that, man, that could have been our daughter, um, you know, whatever. But the key was telling my wife, "Hey, this is what I'm dealing with today." Instead of just thinking, "I'm just gonna." You know, I'm just going to keep it, you know, submerged and and not. I'll wait till it gets over. Um, and so that was a big lesson for me. And then the third thing was just 
being patient, being patient, knowing that every Christmas, every Christmas day, we celebrate birth of Jesus and the birth of our daughter. And, and those are two joyous occasions, but one, you know, obviously our, the birth of our daughter and then losing her later is, is very bittersweet. But she may grieve our daughter until I'm dead. Yeah. You know, that may be a reality and, and that's okay with me now. I just, I always thought it was something that you eventually just get over. In reality, you never truly lose that memory. You never truly lose that experience, no matter how old your, your child or, or that person you lose may be. So just, you know, it was, it was a lot of me not trying to fix the communication, the grieving or the timing of, of it. And in that we've learned a lot about each other and the way we both, we both work. And I think that's made our marriage so much stronger than it was eight years ago. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.